52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the HealthAbility Project. Hi, welcome to the HealthAbility Project. I'm Robin McKenna. Usually I start my episodes off with a narrative to set the table for listeners as to what the discussion is going to be about. But my next guest has such an unusual story that I am fast forwarding right to the introduction of him. My guest today is Hector Soriano. Hector had a successful career in sales and real estate, but for a long time felt something was missing. And so began a multi-year journey of exploring yoga, psychedelics, natural healing remedies, and working with shamans, after which Hector ditched his sales career. Now a wellness coach and herbalist, Hector has dedicated himself to applying holistic medicine to help others tackle the root cause of low energy, which is overwork and digestion so that they can show up to be their best. You can follow him on Twitter or Instagram, and his handle there is at Hector Soriano Jr., Jr., where he offers daily tips. Thanks so much for joining me today, Hector. I am thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Robin, for that great introduction. I'm really excited to be here and sharing my story with your listeners. (laughs) Great, great. So, you know, as I mentioned, you have an unusual story. And just as we were talking the other day, I would love for you to start in the present. How did you get on this journey? When did it start? And just take us through that and, and let's let's hear how things evolved. Sounds great. It's been quite a journey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still going. And it's still going, definitely still going. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a wellness guide and herbalist. And uh, it's not what I thought I was going to be doing. (laughs) Back in um, uh, 2017, I was actually in a very successful sales career. I was working at a company called Shutterstock and um, working with a lot of wonderful creatives in in Latin America. I was also a young dad, so I have a a beautiful daughter in in Madrid. But I I felt like something was missing in, uh, in my life at that time. So I remember it being a, uh, a cold fall afternoon, and I was looking through uh, Google to see if there's anything interesting I can do uh, on a Saturday morning. And uh, I was living in Jersey City at the time, and I saw that there was a, uh, a local yoga studio that had invited a yogic master from southern India uh, to come in and teach a three-day workshop on this very deep meditation technique that he said would help raise your consciousness. Um, so part of me was really intrigued. It's just what but, you would do on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I'm not your, I'm not your typical uh, <laughs> uh, field professional at that time. Um, so I was always interested in, in those kinds of uh, experiences. So I decided to, to go and sign up. I, 
I went in and I remember being the youngest person there. Most people were 50 or older, Chinese or, or Indian heritage. And, uh, and me, I was, you know, late twenties at the time. Mm. Um, so I sat down on a meditation pillow and just got ready for the experience. As I uh, sat there, I remember the owner of the yoga studio coming in to introduce uh, the yogi. And this man, he was uh, late 40s, early 50s, and he seemed to glide into this room all dressed in white. <laughs> oh, like a cloud. I just, exactly. <laughs> I just felt this energy coming from him, and, and I was really, really intrigued. And he started talking about how there was this research in, in Japan about how uh, water holds uh, memory and energy, mm. and a lot of the the meditation techniques that he learned in the Himalayas um, recognize that you know we're mainly water, and just uh, just like water, our bodies can hold uh, memory, energy, trauma. So uh, so he started to talk about this meditation technique. He said it was sixty minutes. It was a recording of different chanting, Himalayan um, instruments. And um, he also said that in the experience, you could have repressed memories, you could have past life uh, memories. He said, uh, anything you experience is completely fine. So when he said that, you know, I was like, okay, let's see. Let's see what my experience will be. And fast forward 60 minutes, it passed it felt like it passed within seconds. Um, But I was very, I knew that I had had a very profound experience and I really wanted to share. And he asked the group, you know, does anyone want to share? So I raised my hand. I was ready to tell everyone what I experienced. And uh, I remember him uh, picking me to, to share my experience and I couldn't speak. No words would come out. I would, I would open my mouth and nothing would come out. What did he say to that? Is that a natural reaction? I mean, he, he basically said, it's obvious that you had a very deep experience. He said, close your eyes, uh, do deep breathing. And, um, and he did something with his hand. And then I was able to, to speak again. And I started to talk about my experience. I said that, oh, I, I had this experience of being outside of my body, being completely aware of my surroundings and and I was having uh, these these visions of, of places I've never been. Hmm. And, uh, and that experience really showed me that, that we're so much more than our physical bodies, that there's hmm. so much more to this existence than, uh, than we're taught. And he said, well, you know, it's obvious that, that you've, uh, you've done martial arts or something, that you've worked with these subtle energies. And I was taken aback for a second because, yeah, I've I'd done many years of martial arts, but I had no idea that I was working with uh, with a Chinese called qi, right, with that that type of energy. Interesting. And 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 that was like really a, a catalyst into traditional healing and and what the experience of uh, of being being human on this planet is is really about. Okay, and then. What was what was the next step? Where did you where did you go from there with this yogic experience? From there, I uh, I went very deep with this <laughs> with this technique. Um, I practiced every day for three years, and eventually I went to southern India to do a, a week long empowerment course. 
uh, in 2019. But before that, I was really, really intrigued to, to better understand some of the experiences that I was having. Like in that uh, meditation that I was doing day to day, I would have uh, subtle experiences of feeling different energy, of having out-of-body experiences, of, of feeling uh, the presence of of other energies that I just didn't really understand. So I was trying to understand what that, uh, what that was all about. So that led me to, uh, to try psychedelics for the first time in 2018. And, uh, the way I do most things is like, I dive very deeply. So I did a lot of research about psychedelics, what the different types of plant medicine do to the body, what to experience, the research that was done in the U.S. and the way it's used in traditional medicine around the world. And I decided to try uh, magic mushrooms or psilocybin. And I used a book by Dr. Fadiman um, that basically talks about what to expect and how to prepare and, and really how to set your intention for that type of experience. And, uh, and I remember I was living in, in Newark, New Jersey at the time. I, I had invested in a, in a multifamily there. And uh, I had set up my living room. I had pictures of my family, my daughter. I had written down on a, on a sheet of paper the things that I really wanted to experience. I wanted to learn more about, about energy, about oneness, about mm. God. You know, what really is God? Uh, I wanted to learn more about my past, my ancestors. So I, I set up, I took the medicine, and I also uh, used a healing playlist from John Hopkins. And I could not have expected what I experienced that day. I experienced everything from seeing the, the birth and destruction of, of the world. I met, um, I saw myself living multiple lives. I, um, I uh, connected with different spirits and I felt this sense that I had been in this place before that I, um, at that it felt more real than what we call real in this, in this, uh, in our day to day, right in the material world. And that had a profound experience for me because it, it, it really, uh, confirmed for me that again, we are so much more than our physical body that we, there is a lot of wisdom that we can heal ourselves with and really um, connect with uh, from traditional medicine and from our ancestors. And, and there's a part of us that, that yearns to, to kind of return to that, to that wisdom and that, and that feeling of, of well-being. So I worked with psychedelics. I mean, since, since then mm-hmm. uh, I've worked with psychedelics. And then in, um, in 2019, I had the opportunity to, uh, to do a retreat with Wim Hof. Have you ever heard of, of Wim Hof? I know the name, but I, I'm not familiar with what he is or what he represents. Okay. So Wim Hof is a very uh, eccentric <laughs> Dutchman, and he's known as the Iceman. Basically, he taught himself through, uh, through different techniques and exposure to, to the freezing cold in, in the Netherlands. Um, how to use different type of breath work and cold immersion um, to really heal the body, to really 
to reset your nervous system and to perform almost superhuman feats. Hmm. So I saw that he had a, um, a retreat in the Pyrenees in Spain. And, uh, and I was going to Spain three to four times a year to visit my daughter. And, uh, and I decided that 2019 was a great time for me to, to explore. So I went, it was a week long, uh, retreat. I remember the first time we met him, uh, we did a breathing exercise and then he said, all right, you're going to have breakfast. And right after we're going to do an ice bath for 10 minutes. Wow. Have you ever done an ice bath? <laughs> no. Cold showers are tough. I can't imagine an ice bath. Well, an ice bath, I've done cold showers. And uh, I've read a lot about ice baths and, you know, maybe a couple of minutes, maybe five minutes. But he said, anyone can do 10 minute ice bath. So, of course, I said, all right, let's go. So I was one of the first people that, that signed up uh, uh, to jump into this ice bath for 10 minutes. He just said, you know, breathe into it, um, relax, put your hands on your thighs to connect with the warmth from your thighs. And, uh, and it was a profound experience. When you're able to just really tune into your body and the messages that your body's giving you, you just receive this profound peace that up to that point I had never experienced. Up to that point, I was always always going, always had to take care of myself, always had so many responsibilities. And I found many different techniques to help me, but there was just something profound about the cold mm -hmm. that really helped me connect with that inner intelligence that I had, or that I have, right, that everyone has. And, uh, and it only got more interesting from there. <laughs> mm -hmm. From there, we learned different uh, breathing techniques. And there was this particular moment this one morning that really stood out where we went into this tent we were having breakfast and, and our meals and uh and he told us that we were going to do a very profound uh series of, of breathing exercises where we where we did five to six rounds of uh breathing for basically as many breaths or reps as uh, as we can we were doing like 50 or 60 breaths so I, I did this exercise and, and then at one point my uh, my hands started to lock up and I couldn't move my arms or my hands. Luckily, I don't know if this is luck or not, but I had experienced this before when I was doing the meditation technique that I had learned from the yogic master. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no idea what it was. I was very confused. But in this occasion, um, as I was experiencing that, one of the, um, the, Wim, the Wim Hof guides came over to me. She put her hand on my shoulder and then she told me, just breathe into it, you know, feel the discomfort, feel your heart, feel the love in your heart. And as I really felt the pain, it was, it was a, a painful moment. I just felt this immense release and I just sobbed like I had never sobbed in my life. Wow. Wow. Was anybody else in the group also sobbing or having a similar experience? Yes. I mean, there were, there were people crying, yelling, sobbing. There was someone who even had an orgasm. Um, <laughs> it was, you literally heard everything in that, in that room. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then what? 
from there, it just, it, it really, it really clicked for me that our body is so intelligent that when we experience uh, trauma or just things that our body, that we're not able to, uh, to process at that time, that our body stores those experiences in our body. And when I went through that experience, I, I made that connection that uh, a lot of the experiences in my earlier life that I hadn't, I didn't have the tools to, to deal with Mm-hmm. have been stored in my in my body and like the the feeling of heaviness and sadness that I that I would um, encounter from time to time was from my difficult childhood. What was your what was your childhood? Well, <laughs> my childhood was was very interesting. So I'm a Dominican immigrant. My mother and I came to the Bronx in 1991 to join my dad. He had come to uh, to the U.S. before us, basically to to help us have a, a better life and to help us on the on the path to, to citizenship. And if if you can picture the South Bronx in the '90s, um, it was a tough place. You know, it was lots of violence, inequality, instability, danger, and just a lot of people trying to to have a normal life in the middle of that. Mm, it must have been really just everybody in survival mode really it was exactly that yeah i i I would assume gang violence and just all-out craziness exactly exactly i mean there were shootings outside of our schools and and a lot of gang violence at that time and if you can picture me me in the middle of this so picture a nine-year-old hector i was an overweight kid who was dressed in Old Navy corduroy. Um, and I was dealing with the rejection from my own community because I was obviously like, I look different, I dress differently than most of the people in my community. But I was also rejected by the community that I was supposed to emulate. You know, as, as, a, as an immigrant, my parents were like, oh, you know, you really want to emulate the successful, the wealthy people, you know, that happened to be very, uh, very different from me. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a lot for a little kid to be carrying and grappling with, you know, the danger and then just this pressure to assimilate and, and be like something or someone else Mm. versus the encouragement to be who you are or want to be. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a, an internal struggle through a lot of my young life, you know, like, uh, I had, basically these two these two big ideas in my in my head one was just the need to survive you know so i i ended up creating this this armor just so that i could get through these difficult experiences um, i also moved to to connecticut right after the bronx and you know i i experienced a, a different kind of instability in that in that area mm-hmm. um and then on the other side this environment really made me question right it made me question the established paradigms that uh, that our societies have at, at a very early age mm-hmm. um so from that time a lot of my life has been has revolved around the uh the idea of finding that hidden knowledge right like what why the world is the way it is? Why um, are there so uh, so many inequalities and injustices that 
that people experience, people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a really central theme in my life. Mm-hmm. And so as you're on this journey, this the, the yogic master, the psychedelics, the Wim Hof, did this feeling of something missing start to diminish or did you did you realize that maybe was it that something wasn't necessarily missing but this this block this childhood trauma was preventing you from whatever that missing piece may have been hmm. what i uncovered through a lot of this uh of this work is not so much what i was missing but everything that I was holding on to, mm-hmm. all of the pain and the struggles and and just lack of healthy role models that I needed at, at that developmental age, mm-hmm. um, I just carried so much uh, so much grief. A lot of it um, that I'm I'm still working through now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when I um, back in in 2021. That's when I really started my my path towards uh, traditional healing. I had gone to my first ever ayahuasca retreat in Peru at the uh, recommendation of a uh, shaman mentor that I have that I'll, I'll share about more about in a little bit. But I was in this uh, this retreat deep in the Peruvian Amazon, and I spent two weeks there with. Um, with people from all over the world that were really trying to heal themselves and, and understand kind of the, the knowledge that they can get from themselves and from the plants. Mm-hmm. And there was this one moment when I was in, in ceremony in, in, uh, in Peru, where I had this vision of myself with a huge earth, kind of like Atlas, right? Like a huge earth on my shoulders. And I just started to sob in that moment because I just, really realize the the amount of of things that i've been just holding on to because uh i was told at such an early age that you know what what does a latin man need to do right he needs to work hard he needs to provide he can't he can't cry he can't uh, show weakness um all of these uh stereotypes that that really keep you from being a a full healthy human being mm-hmm. um so when i was there in in that uh healing retreat i i it finally came to my conscious mind everything that i'd been holding on to for so long wow and i mean i don't know what the process is but were you able to let go of all of that all at once or is that a process that you are navigating now or mm-hmm. what the shaman say as far as advice goes or what to expect mm-hmm once you've come to this uh, acknowledgement? Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a process unique to everyone. You know, some people can let it go after a few sessions or some, or some work. Um, I, uh, I realized that I have a lot of things that I'm, I'm working through. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, I really started going deep back in 2021. And, and since then, I'm still, I'm still working on it. I, uh, had um, some health challenges last year that triggered even more uncovering of of, um, of those challenges that I went through when I was young. And what was that health challenge? Hmm. So last year. And last, um, last year being 2022? That's right, yep. 
2022, I had uh, started some, I had some braces because I had some crowd or I have some crowding in my lower um, teeth and I wanted to fix it. And I had a bit of, um, of a growth on my gum and I thought it was the, the, the teeth. So back in June, uh, 2022, I had some bone that was, uh, exposed in the gum. So I went to an oral surgeon. He looked at it. He said it was a benign exostosis, which is a growth of the bone. And, uh, he sent it over to uh, Mount Sinai to get it analyzed. And a few weeks later calls me to his, uh, office. I walk in and, um, and I remember, uh, this older man, he was in his late fifties and he was very somber. You know, I, I thought, uh, I didn't think it was going to be a, a serious meeting. Um, but he sits me down. Uh, he puts a hand on my shoulder and says that, uh, the results came back. It's a rare kind of cancer called, um, chondroblastic osteosarcoma, which mm. is bone cancer in the jaw. And, uh, and basically it tells me to, uh, prepare for a uh, potentially long and, and and difficult journey. He was like, he told me that uh, he prepared some uh, some doctors that I can go see, uh-huh. and uh, and then I remember he he started to tear. On the one hand, you know, I felt I felt his empathy, I felt his support, but at the same time. As, as you know, from my story, I'm very much like, okay, what's the information? What does this mean? Uh, how do I move forward? Right. Um, so I stopped and I said, okay. Um, and I literally asked them those questions. So what does this mean? How can I work through this process? And I remember feeling very heavy, right? I go, I go back home. I tell my partner, I break down. And then I just went on this incredible journey through the, the medical system of, of trying to understand what this is, uh, being told that it, that my intuition and my feelings doesn't matter, that uh, the exam is what it is and I have what they say, and that the only remedy to it is a, uh, a very drastic surgery that removes half of my lower jaw, you take my uh, a part of my leg bone to reconstruct it, in order to be, uh, to be safe. Mm. Um, to say the least, I didn't accept that. Um, so I, I went on a journey to not only follow the, the biomedical process, speaking mm-hmm. to different, to, to different doctors and working through insurance, which was a headache, but I also went on a number of, uh, ayahuasca retreats. I spoke to two different naturopathic doctors. I did my own research about, uh, holistic, treatment of cancer mm. and deep down I didn't feel like it was it was cancer I mm. felt like it was something else so I remember this was in August I had finally been able to to find a um, head and neck oncologist who was more open-minded and uh, was over in UPenn and that my insurance would cover mm. so I went to him and had scheduled me for uh, for the surgery and I remember getting ready to tell them that I'm not going to go through the surgery, that I'm going to go off to Mexico and spend a few weeks and, and explore what uh, Shipibo uh, medicine has to say about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go, we sit there for an hour and a half waiting to see the doctor. And the nurse comes in and then tells me that 
after they reviewed it, they can't confirm that it's cancer. Wow. After months of, uh, of uncertainty and end of life questions and not being able to see my daughter because I was going through this, tons of money spent and expensive uh, consultations. Also while still holding down a full-time job. I wasn't working at the time. I was okay. building, at that time I was already building my coaching practice. Okay, okay. And studying full-time. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's that's also stressful. You're building a new business and having exactly. to all this, like. Exactly, exactly. It was definitely a tough time. I went off to Mexico. I came back. The uh, The shaman who I saw in Mexico was actually amazing. Maybe this is a story for another time, but he's a former French monk turned, turned Shipibo shaman in the Yucatan. Wow. Um, such a phenomenal person. And uh, he really, he helped me gain a lot of insight about what, uh, what I have going on in my life, but he couldn't see anything related to cancer. So I came back still uncertain about what what's going on. And uh, I went to go get a, another, another biopsy. And finally, by the end of October of last year, I'm told that it's not cancer. It's just a, uh, just scar tissue growth. Uh. So after all that, <laughs> it was just scar tissue growth. Very, very stressful experience that just reminded me the importance of really trusting your intuition, really um, doing your homework, not only exploring the, the biomedical path, but also looking at holistic medicine that can help you get to the root of whatever is going on. Right. I was able to, to analyze my tongue and my pulse and see that a lot of the signs of an imbalance like cancer, I didn't have those. Mm -hmm. So that gave me a good indication that this was a misdiagnosis. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was my most recent uh, health scare. You were a really active participant in your own medical care, which is unusual. Most of us are not that way. We listen to what the doctor says and off we go to the next doctor and the prescription and maybe the surgery and the follow-up care. And mm -hmm. you you did the opposite because you um, had the strength and maybe the foresight or just you really did not ignore your intuition. Exactly. And that's something that that everyone can do, but yeah, sometimes... Right. We, you know, we either lack the understanding or the support mm -hmm. um, to really do that. Yeah. Um, but everyone has the right to do that. Mm -hmm. And that experience just really cemented my, um, uh, my reason for doing what I do. I didn't mention this before, but 2021, that's where I really started my, my path into traditional healing. I studied with a um, psychedelic clinic in Philly to really understand um, psychedelics in the context of psychotherapy. I met an amazing shaman who was also a medical doctor who really told me about his herbalism path and um, the center that I went to in, in Peru. And from that experience, that's when I started my three-year clinical herbalism program, which I, um, oh. I'm two years in, have one year left. Okay and really connected my, my need to, of course, heal myself, right. but also um, help others in their healing so that they could really 
just experience life fully without a lot of the challenges that modern yeah. modern life uh, puts on us. Yeah, and I would say that it is your your personal experience that allows you to be so confident and natural with helping others to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they always say, "Walk a mile in my shoes," right? <laughs> So you completely agree. You definitely, maybe you've done that journey double time, considering the childhood trauma and and then all the different the different methods that you've explored. Mm -hmm. You you when you and I were talking, you said that that shaman changed your life. In what way? So the shaman, he um, he's Cuban. So he, uh, I mean, his story really resonated with me. I'm Dominican from the Caribbean mm -hmm. and, um, and just seeing such a confident, healthy man who was on the healing path and really embraced his calling was really inspirational for me, especially at a time where, you know, I had a lot of things in flux, right? I left the corporate mm -hmm. world. It was, just you know, a year after the pandemic, mm. um, there was a lot of disconnection between friends and family. People moved away, and uh, and I knew that I had this this really strong calling to help to help others and to explore traditional healing, but I wasn't too sure what that path was. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Rodney, his name's Rodney. Hope you're listening. <laughs> 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 he. Uh, he really helped me see what the path could be. And understanding that clinical herbalism could help me have a framework to identify the different patterns in our lives from our lifestyle to diet, to emotions, to our community, to our finances, and how all of those things can play a piece uh, or can play a role in uh, in our well-being. Absolutely. And if you're able to to see those patterns, you can make some serious change in your life. Mm -hmm. um, so recognizing that, and then also learning about um, the Shipibo people and uh, the role ayahuasca has, and just the connection to this earth, um, really empowered me to to set my own path. You know. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's really maybe that you found the something that was missing. A hundred percent. Like, like most people say, there's no, there's no straight line right. um, to finding that something, but I definitely did find it. And, and I'm still connecting with it every day as, as I continue to, to heal myself and, and help others on their path. Wonderful. What a beautiful story. So Hector, you've had an incredible journey. What are you doing now with regards to helping others get through their journeys? Hmm. So now I actually created a 90 day program so I can help people like us who have low energy. I help people solve the low energy problem by getting to the root of that problem. So I use techniques from herbalism in a 90 day program where in the first month, we really uncover what their patterns are. So what patterns, lifestyle patterns, diet patterns, thought patterns are really draining their energy, whether it's overwork, whether it's digestion, whether it's a, a hormonal imbalance. I then create a, uh, a custom lifestyle diet and herbal plan for them so that they can uh, really start to, to change their lifestyle. 
Then on the second month, we're reskilling. I'm helping them learn recipes, breath work, meditation practices to really support the changes that they're looking to make. And then the last month, it's all about maintenance, is how they can really take that, the change that we make within mm-hmm. those 90 days moving forward in their lives. Wow. That sounds amazing and sounds very doable. You know, some of these programs that are out there just, I just feel like they're a recipe for failure because it's too much, too soon, too many restrictions. Um, Just by working naturally with somebody, it sounds like you could have some really great success with that. So I wish you the best with that. And uh, how can people reach you? Uh, The best way to reach me is through Twitter or Instagram. Um, They can send me a message at Hector Soriano, JR. JR, got it. All righty, great. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing that with me and and with our listeners. I am certain that it will resonate with with someone or or hopefully more more than one person. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Hector. Well, thank you for having me, Robin. (laughs) Very welcome. Listeners, hopefully you liked today's episode. If so, please like us, share us, tell your friends about us, maybe even make some posts on social media. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today at The Health Ability Project. We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.